from uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast where we sometimes veer off the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. Special thanks to my patrons who voted for this episode. Thank you guys so much. You are truly appreciated. And for anyone else, please feel free to join my patrons so that you can vote on who will be covered next or get early access to the podcasts. Like, share, and subscribe. It might just help our little community grow. So today's podcast was voted for by patrons and will be on the monster of the Andes, Pedro Lopez. Pedro Alonso Lopez was born on October 8, 1948 in Venadio, Tolima, Colombia. So as we do, let's get into some history for that time. In 1948, the independent Jewish state of Israel was created in Palestine by the United Nations. The creation of Israel marked the first time in 2,000 years that an independent Jewish state had existed. Immediately after the creation of Israel, the Arab-Israeli War began when forces from Egypt, Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, and Jordan invaded the country. The surrounding Arab nations had disagreed with the formation of Israel from the start, as they believed the land had been distributed unfairly and it had displaced Arab Palestinians. Fighting continued until the next year when Israel was able to form several agreements with the neighboring Arab states. Also in 1948, The founding of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, or North Korea, took place during September. The nation was proclaimed by Supreme Leader Kim Il-sung as a communist dictatorship which tightly controlled all aspects of citizens' lives. Earlier in the same year, the Republic of Korea, or South Korea, was proclaimed in its capital, Seoul, under Syngman Rhee. Two years later, the Korean War broke out after Kim Il-sung attempted to unite the Koreas under his rule using military force. Reunification failed and Kim Il-sung ruled an increasingly isolated and secretive North Korea until his death in 1994. Also this year, Indian independence activist Mahatma Gandhi was assassinated at the age of 78. 
The murder took place outside of the Birla House in New Delhi, where Gandhi was supposed to attend a prayer meeting. The assassin was a Hindu nationalist who had disagreed with Gandhi's acceptance of Muslims and his nonviolent position in the wake of religious tensions created by the division of Pakistan and India. Now, just for fun, here is what some things cost back in 1948. So the average cost of a brand new house was around $8,000. The average yearly wage was around $3,000. A gallon of gas was just 16 cents and a new car was around $1,250. A movie theater ticket was just 60 cents and coffee was 85 cents for a two pound bag. Now, some other notable people born in 1948 were John Ritter, Prince Charles, although now I suppose he is King Charles, Alice Cooper, Al Gore, everyone's favorite, Samuel L. Jackson, and Ozzy Osbourne. So this was the atmosphere that Pedro was born into. His father's name was Medardo Reyes, and sources say he was a member of the country's right-winged party and was killed in an armed conflict while trying to protect a grocery store from looters when his mother was still pregnant with him. His mother's name was Benilda. Now, Pedro was the seventh child out of 13 total. It is pretty well known that the previous six children were not Medardo's, that Benilda had been a sex worker and Medardo had been married to another woman. Pedro was born into extreme poverty and squalor and into a world where the whole of Colombia was being ravaged by fighting, riots, and violence. The Civil War lasted for 10 years and make no mistake, it was brutal. It was this that had killed his father. During this, there were people being beheaded or even crucified. It is estimated that over 200,000 people were killed, and into this chaos and bloodshed, Pedro was in his earliest formative years. And from his earliest memories, he watched or listened as his mother would have sex with her clients. Now, to hear Benilda tell the story, she had been a caring and devoted mother, But according to Pedro, she had been cruel and merciless, being pretty physically abusive. But he also said he witnessed some of her clients physically abuse her as well. When Pedro was a very young boy, he was described as quiet but polite. And according to his mother, he had expressed wanting to be a teacher when he grew up. But the constant exposure to sex and violence took its toll. Pedro was allegedly caught by his mother molesting one of his sisters when he was eight years old and was kicked out of the house. Now, some sources say he ran away, which of course is plausible. But either way, he was on his own at this very young age. He made his way to Bogota, the capital city of Colombia, where he was just one of the many homeless children of the streets. He did eventually join a gang and began smoking an impure form of cocaine. 
But it was during his time on the streets when a seemingly charitable and compassionate older man approached the boy, who was still eight years old at this point, and offered him a place to stay, you know, food in his belly. But the man was a pedophile, and he led young Pedro to an abandoned building or a house by some sources where he repeatedly sodomized and raped him. Once he was away from this man, what little trust he had in others was completely broken. Sources say Pedro slept in alleyways and empty village market stalls, trying to make himself small and invisible for his own protection. He drifted from area to area, living, you know, hand to mouth on the streets. So when he was 10 years old, although some sources say he was 12, an older American couple spotted him and could see he was clearly in need of help. They took him in, informally adopting him and enrolled him in a school specifically for orphans. But after a time, a male teacher was allegedly making sexual advances at him so far as to say he molested him. So Pedro ran away, though not before he stole money from the school. For the next six years, little is known of what happened to Pedro or how he survived. But survive he did, and it would seem that crime was the vehicle through which he succeeded. When he was 18 years old, in 1969, he was arrested for stealing cars and was sentenced to seven years in prison. And I think this is as good a spot as any to stop and sort of analyze this childhood. Now, it would seem like common sense to know that an environment where the business of prostitution is being, you know, conducted, we'll say, even if the children aren't witnessing it, it is indeed unsafe for children, period. But we know Pedro was forced to watch. A sort of good way to look at it is that children are little people who are watching what the grown-ups are doing around them, and they want to emulate that. They are always keenly observing what people say or do. Your child absorbs everything about their environment and naturally imitates you as a first step in making sense of their world and understanding of the rules, so to speak. They are closely reading your emotions, your facial expressions, body posture, everything. You are their role model in creating their life. All this doesn't mean that they have a full understanding of what they are doing because they do not have the neural connections and brain development enough to process a lot. So exposure to a sexual activity in their initial years would make them also want to express their instincts in a similar way, though they are not capable of understanding the intensity of it and thus the trauma. So it should come as absolutely no surprise that Pedro would have very likely molested one of his sisters. Why would he have any real knowledge that that would be very wrong to do when he watched his mother perform her job? And yet this got him kicked out of the house. That is the story from most all sources, but again, some did say he ran away, so we can't really factor that out. If he had... This, too, doesn't really surprise me, considering it was thought that his mother was quite domineering, 
cruel, and physically abusive. Violence and sex are, as we all know, a terrible environment for any child. Whichever is the case, he was forced from his home. And it sounded like, though he escaped the exposure to sex in his mother's home, he was then just lured away by an older man with the promise of help, only to be sodomized and raped repeatedly when he was only eight years old. Then he thought perhaps he was finally going to be able to trust the older American couple, and none of the sources said they mistreated him at all, really, but the school they sent him to had a male teacher that was making sexual advances or molesting the now 12-year-old. So it would appear the theme of the entire beginning half of his childhood was that sex and violence went hand in hand. He had not known a time since birth where he was anything but extremely poor and near starvation. And every time he trusted, it seems, he was betrayed in one way or another. So let's get back into the story. While Pablo was in prison, the story goes that he was overpowered and gang raped by four other men. After a few days, Pedro hunted down each man who had raped him and killed him. But it was deemed by the prison authorities to be self-defense, and he was only hit with two more years in prison and was finally released in 1978 at 30 years old. It is thought that he immediately left Colombia for Peru, and it was there that he began what he later said would be the revenge the world would incur for the sins of the people who had hurt him so badly as a child. Now, this is where sources say he lured, raped, and murdered over 100 young girls. Yes, 100, seeking out indigenous girls most often. While attempting to kidnap a nine-year-old indigenous girl, he was caught by a group from a local tribe who beat and tortured him and were going to bury him alive, which is their custom. They had him buried up to his neck, had poured some kind of syrup on him so that the ants would eat him, but as it goes, a missionary from America intervened and convinced them to get the Peruvian police. And he was arrested but then let go and sent back to his native country of Colombia. Only he then just went back to traveling around Central America, but he would cross borders, leaving a string of missing girls behind him. And it was the sudden rash of missing girls in three adjacent nations that was ascribed to the activity of slavery or prostitution rings, but the authorities had no firm evidence no suspects, and no really organized idea that they could even be potentially related, at least before April of 1980. Because it was then when a flash flood near Ambato, Ecuador, uncovered bodies of four vanished children. Once the missing children were identified from the remains, they began to realize they might have a serial killer on their hands. Pedro would later say that he preferred the young Ecuadorian girls because he claimed that he would kill more or less three girls a week. He said, quote, I like the girls in Ecuador. 
they are more gentle and trusting, more innocent, end quote. The families of his victims tried desperately to find the girls on their own, with one mother even putting ads in newspapers about her missing daughter. The age range of his victims that were slowly being found were between 9 and 12 years old. Now, his methods would vary, but not by much. First, he searched for potential young victims. He scoured small village marketplaces, searching for the most innocent-looking young girls. He had an affinity for, quote, good girls in particular. The next step was to lure the young girl away and quickly get her under his control by tempting them with small presents. CrimeLife.com suggested that Pedro usually lured the children away from busy markets and streets when the parents were either distracted or thought that the crowd meant many eyes and less of a chance of danger. And he enjoyed watching his victim while he killed her. He would strangle the young girl while raping her. Sometimes he held a mirror to the girl's lips to see if there was any respiration. He did this to ensure that each victim died. He later said, quote, Sometimes I had to kill them all over again. End quote. Sometimes he took the time to plan in advance and prepared larger, empty graves to accommodate the evening's planned body accumulation. On occasion, he would allow the intended victim to glimpse the body pit she was about to be placed in. Sometimes bodies were already there because the terror and emotional reaction added to the experience. Pedro would then attempt to calm the girls with a quiet voice and reassuring words throughout the night. You see, it was important to him to keep his victims alive until dawn, which was their appointed time of death, so that he could experience their death in the very early daylight. He himself later explained, quote, At the first sign of light, I would get excited. I forced the girl into sex and put my hands around her throat. When the sun rose, I would strangle her. It was only good if I could see her eyes. I never killed anyone at night. It would have been wasted in the dark. I had to watch them by daylight. End quote. He later went on to say, quote, I look into her eyes and see a certain light, a spark, suddenly go out. Only those who kill know what I mean. The moment of death is enthralling and exciting. Some day, when I am released, I will feel that moment again. I will be happy to kill again. It is my mission. End quote. Then, with some of his victims, he would have a tea party or play morbid games with the dead girl at her own gravesite. He later said that he propped them up in their graves and even talked with them, convinced that his, you know, quote, little friends actually enjoyed his company. Nevertheless, as it became apparent there was a little girl serial murderer in their midst, he was coined the Monster of the Andes. So after the major flood that unearthed the remains of a handful of his victims, people were watching everyone closely, 
And it was in one of these instances that a woman named Carvina Povida noticed Pedro leaving the Plaza Rosa marketplace with her 12-year-old daughter, Maria. She instantly began crying out for help as she chased after him. Pedro was captured by a group of townspeople and held until the police came. And it was at this point that the authorities began to suspect they might have the serial killer they had been investigating in custody. Except Pedro wasn't talking. So in the face of his continued silence, police decided to try a different strategy by getting a priest to dress in prison garb. They then put him in a cell with Pedro with the idea that the priest would win Pedro's confidence, swapping stories of real or imagined crimes late into the evening. And it worked. Once the priest had heard enough, he shared the information he had gotten, and Pedro was confronted with the evidence of his own admissions, and he actually was told that he had confessed all of it to a priest, which finally got him to cave, and he made a full confession. And the details and numbers he gave them were nearly unbelievable. He took the police to a secluded pasture and told them to dig. They did, and were astonished to find 53 bodies uncovered at that site, just that one site, and there were 28 more sites to excavate. So coupled with his confessions, Pedro was charged with 110 murders, though he claimed to have been responsible for around 200 more deaths in the neighboring countries of Peru and Colombia. When Pedro was asked about why he committed these horribly disturbing murders, he allegedly said, quote, I lost my innocence at the age of eight, so I decided to do the same to as many girls as I could, end quote. He is, of course, referring to the older man who had promised him help, then turned around and brutally raped him repeatedly. So in 1980, the now 32-year-old Pedro Lopez was sentenced to 16 years in prison, which unfortunately was the maximum sentence under Ecuadorian law. And this understandably outraged the public. There was a rumor that an unofficial reward believed raised by the families of the victims was of $25,000 for any guard or prisoner to kill him. It was in this prison that he was given the label of a sociopath, but more on this in a few minutes. So in August of 1994, Pedro was released from prison after serving only 14 years, two years early based on good behavior, but he was quickly deported to Colombia, where authorities were attempted to convict him of his murders there. But in an interesting twist of events, guys, Pedro was declared insane, and in 1995, he was institutionalized in a psychiatric facility. He was then 47 years old. In 1998, just three short years after being committed, he was released on only $70 bail on the condition that he would periodically report to the authorities. And as I'm sure you have guessed, he nearly immediately fled. Upon his release, he did go visit his mother and he asked her for his inheritance. 
She told him that she had nothing to give, so he took and sold her chair and her bed to people on the street. And then after, he just vanished. The last reported sighting of Pedro was in September of 1999 when he visited the National Civil Registry to renew his citizenship card. In 2002, the Colombian National Police, as well as Interpol, issued warrants for Pedro's arrest over a new murder showing a similar modus operandi as his. The Interpol warrant was deactivated in 2005, but Pedro remains a fugitive to this day. He has also been named as a possible suspect in a homicide committed in Tunya, Colombia, in 2012, and this should come as no surprise to anyone, considering that he himself stated in a jailhouse interview that were he released, he would continue to murder, that it was his destiny, basically. His whereabouts are completely unknown. If he were still alive today, he would be 75 years old. It's kind of chilling to think about, isn't it? So what's going on with Pedro? There exists no formal psychiatric evaluation of Pedro publicly available, but we do know he was diagnosed as a sociopath while in prison. Due to his lack of respect for the rights of others and his extensive criminal nature as a juvenile, on top of the childhood trauma, he would likely qualify for the diagnoses of oppositional defiant disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, antisocial personality disorder, among possible others. And let's keep in mind the environment he was born into and was forced to witness and be a part of. We definitely do not want to lose sight of that. Raised by a prostitute in abject poverty, he and all of his other 12 siblings were forced to sleep in one bed behind a curtain. He witnessed his mother having sex with the men she brought in in order to make money. He could hear what they were doing. He was aware of his mother's occupation. He said that his mother was mean and physically abusive. Okay, so that's the background again. So let's start with oppositional defiant disorder. According to John Hopkins Medicine, quote, oppositional defiant disorder or ODD is a type of behavior disorder. It is mostly diagnosed in childhood. Children with ODD are uncooperative, defiant, and hostile toward peers, parents, teachers, and other authority figures. They are more troubling to others than they are to themselves. It can be diagnosed in adulthood as well, though a little less likely. ODD is more common in boys than in girls. Children with mood or anxiety disorders, conduct disorder, or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, are also more likely to have ODD. Symptoms of ODD may include having frequent temper tantrums, arguing a lot with adults, refusing to do what an adult asks, always questioning rules, and refusing to follow said rules doing things to annoy or upset others, including adults, blaming others for the child's own misbehaviors or mistakes, being easily annoyed by others, often having an angry attitude, 
speaking harshly or unkindly, or seeking revenge or being vindictive. Now, there are two main theories as to what could cause oppositional defiant disorder. One is developmental theory, which theorizes that the problems start when children are toddlers. Children and teens with ODD may have had trouble learning to become independent from a parent or other main person to whom they were emotionally attached. Their behavior may be normal development issues that are lasting beyond the toddler years. And the second theory is learning theory, which suggests that the negative symptoms of ODD are learned attitudes. They mirror the effects of negative reinforcement methods used by parents and others in power. The use of negative reinforcement increases the child's ODD behaviors. That's because these behaviors allow the child to get what he or she wants. Attention and reaction from parents or others. All of this was from John Hopkins. And I think that were we to put Pedro into one of these two categories, I personally would put him under the umbrella of learning theory. So moving on to post-traumatic stress disorder and staying with John Hopkins, quote, you may have post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD if you've been through a traumatic event and are having trouble dealing with it. Such events may include a car crash, rape, domestic violence, military combat, or violent crime. While it is normal to have some anxiety after such an event, it usually goes away in time, but with PTSD, the anxiety is more intense and keeps coming back, and the trauma is relived through nightmares, intrusive memories, and flashbacks. These can be vivid memories that seem real. The symptoms of PTSD can cause problems with relationships and make it hard to cope with daily life. End quote. So examples or causes of PTSD include serious accidents such as car or train wrecks, natural disasters such as floods or earthquakes, man-made tragedies like bombings, plane crashes, shootings, in Pedro's case, violent personal attacks such as mugging, rape, torture, being held captive or kidnapping, military combat, and abuse in childhood, which could also be a factor for Pedro. So for this diagnosis, I believe it fits in with his life experiences as well. Then we finally have antisocial personality disorder, which is a diagnosis he was actually given in prison or a subsection of. So ASPD is a mental health condition in which a person consistently shows no regard for right and wrong and ignores the rights and feelings of others. People with antisocial personality disorder tend to purposefully make others angry or upset and manipulate or treat others harshly or with cruel indifference. They lack remorse and do not regret their behavior. People with antisocial personality disorder often violate the law, becoming criminals. They often lie, behave violently or impulsively, and have problems with drug and alcohol use. They have difficulty consistently meeting responsibilities related to family, work, or school. They ignore right and wrong and are often manipulative and take advantage of others. 
They are often not being sensitive to or respectful of others and use charm or wit to manipulate others for personal gain or pleasure. They have a sense of superiority and being extremely opinionated. They are usually hostile, aggressive, violent or threatening to others and feel no guilt about harming others and so on. Of course, this all exists on a spectrum, antisocial personality disorder in shades of gray, if you will. Most of the time, people with antisocial personality disorder would have been or could have been, even if not, found to have a conduct disorder as children, and the symptoms are much the same. Now, he was said to have been a sociopath. Psychopathy and sociopathy, in the most simple way I know how to explain it, are two offshoots or categories beneath antisocial personality disorder. The two exist under the umbrella of antisocial personality disorder. Some people use both terms interchangeably, but there are differences. Psychopaths lack the ability to have much, if any, remorse or empathy, whereas sociopaths also lack remorse but could show some signs of guilt or empathy could be present. Psychopaths pretend to feel emotions, whereas sociopaths do feel emotions such as rage, but they are shallow or fleeting. Psychopaths very much have the hardest time forming bonds or attachments whereas a sociopath does have the ability to form an attachment to someone. I mean, you get the basic concept. They are fairly close. So, ODD? I believe so, and especially so in adulthood. PTSD? Most assuredly in my book. And then he was, of course, diagnosed as a sociopath, and I believe his behaviors and crimes, the lives of those little girls that he took, more than proofs that he was a sociopath. A child born into poverty, possible abuse, exposed to violence and sex from birth, is a homeless child at such a young age where he was repeatedly raped and sodomized by a person who had pretended to offer him shelter and food, possibly care and affection, and on and on. What Pedro did is absolutely inexcusable, and my heart goes out to the victims and their families. But tell me, guys, what do you think? Leave me a comment below, or you can DM me on Instagram, at Serial underscore Killing. Or you can also join the family at Serial Killing, a podcast fan page on Facebook. I am active on both Facebook and Instagram. Or you can email me. All of my contact information is in the notes. But most importantly, thank you guys so much for listening because I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you chose me and I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Anybody who killed more than two or three people was a mass murderer. And whether it was all at one place or over an extended period of time, and then uh, in the early 80s, they came up with this differentiation called serial killing.